0: This is the
1: Video Junkyard Podcast. We are here. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! The dead who've haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Well,
0: In this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half, man, half with the strength of 20 demons. It's time. Hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. I want to welcome you. It's a very special episode as every one of our episodes is going to be nowadays, I suppose, because we are starting to theme things a little more. But tonight is our first week or first night of a two-week special that we're going to do on our favorite werewolf films yes and with me as always of course is joe peterson who actually happens to be the biggest
1: werewolf buff that i know i think so um i i don't know i've actually met some people i think that that have schooled me on things but it it's a hat that i probably try to wear anyway (laughs) yeah yeah it's how you doing i'm doing good actually i've just been super excited about getting ready for this episode um i I'm not to say I don't do research on all the other films that we talk about here on the podcast, but this was one where I think I dove in a little further than I normally do just because we're talking about two movies here that are, are um, personally big favorites of mine. One is an all time favorite. I'm sure I've mentioned that repeatedly at a point now on the show when it's kind of getting redundant, but these are just uh, these types of of horror films particularly have just a special place in my heart. The, The werewolf genre is something I've always been, always been fascinated with. So I've, I'm, super excited to actually be doing this episode not that i'm not excited to do others but this <laughs> I was one gonna say, just... i get
0: myself excited about almost every episode that we do by the time yeah. I'm, we're getting ready to record and i've done all the
1: mm-hmm. you know
0: watched the films recently again and done the reading even when it's even when we're sitting down to talk about something that might not be the my favorite movie in the world it's uh, right still uh, a lot of fun to do um, absolutely so just to give everybody a little you know peek under the curtain and look at how the the sausage is made for a second. um we're we kind of been playing since we started this this podcast off and and oh by the way, this is um I'd like to wish the Video Junkyard Podcast a happy tenth anniversary and I'm not talking oh, years here right. people but this no. was actually our tenth episode today so. Yeah um for those of you that have been with us for longer than um if this isn't your first one i mean thanks for coming back and uh, if it is well thank you for tuning in but this is episode number 10 for joe and i yeah. and i'm pretty sure we're probably the only people that listen to the first couple but i think there's a few more out there these days so yeah. thank you guys once again for tuning in and uh, hopefully we will be able to keep bringing you these mildly entertaining film reviews on a regular basis. <laughs>
1: And if week for, week and if basis. nothing else, I'm I'm entertaining myself with it. So I'm. Exactly. If, if you're joining us, thank you for joining us. If you're not joining yes. us, you're doing something else, so you don't yes. hear us. Well, anyway. Thank you for yeah. you know
0: <laughs> listening to our self, our self indulgence here. So that's right. Um. Anyhow, but what I was going to say is we've been kind of toying with the format since we started out the Video Junkyard Podcast and kind of settled into a groove here where it's uh we're doing one film a week, as you know, and mm-hmm. it's kind of a situation where Joe or I will pick a movie and then we um, kind of go with a, a, a bit of a game almost where it's like just uh, yeah. throw a, a response pick back at some of this kind of lightly themed in the same um, it, I was going to say genre but everything's fairly genre oriented that we're talking about but just something that um, think about it as like the uh, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon game in a way um, where it just has to be some kind of tangential tangently um 10 right? that's the second week in a row i've used the word tangentially i'm not even sure that's a word but i like it so i'm gonna keep using it,
1: it is, um but, yeah so
0: <laughs> and you'll get so, yeah there. just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, um, yeah yeah so the, just something that is um connected to it in some way and pretty much all we have to do is, is make the case for it and it's in but
1: well yeah and I, it's kind of almost become like a, uh, a between you and i like how you word it as a game because it's almost like dominoes you know you'll throw out well, you know, for for the last couple of episodes, like oh, you threw out, uh, one and like I'm just like Nightbreed. Okay, well, Nightbreed. We could have gone Clive Barker. We could have gone Craig. Schaefer yeah, and movie. initially that you was know.
0: that was where my brain went. I was like, oh, Nightbreed. Well, it'd be fun to because um, there's the similar. Uh, there's a lot of story behind both of those films and Clive Barker's career. But I mm-hmm. thought it'd be fun to talk about Lord of Illusions as well. And so right. we, it would have been kind of a you know two weeks of Clive Barker themed episodes, but. Um, yeah instead my my pick ended up being little monsters which i think turned
1: out incredibly which well. which was fun way. which you know it's, it's, it's a makes good comfort it makes for uh not to say you know i don't think well i'm not not saying never on doing uh, a pair of films where they have the same director certainly you know but sometimes the story about two films that are completely separated um you know, as far as production can have uh, kind of an interesting story. So, really, it's coming down to what's going to make interesting shows, what's going to make interesting episodes. Yes, we're two guys yeah. sitting around geeking out about movies, but if you're tuning in every week or you're, you're following our, our kind of duos every two episodes, uh, hopefully, you're getting something more than just us talking about, yeah, that guy directed the same movie or that girl was in both films. Um, you know, in this case, it's something a little bit more. Thematic, You know, in the case of Nightbreed and Little Monsters, it was very strong themes, yet very kind of different tones. Um, this week, I think we're just kind of going horror genre, and that's fine too, but just uh, trying to mix it up for you. I do not, however, promise to never use the
0: director <laughs> as the um, thing that's related to a film. So um, there are sure. certain directors where I would love to take have a chance to get a little more in-depth and kind of look at multiple pieces of their work. Although we've talked about doing an entire, like, longer show based on you know a a filmmaker's entire career which i think would be fun to do as well
1: yeah yeah that's true i mean there's these are the kind of things folks that we that that we kind of kick back and forth and bounce around these different ideas of how we would want to do episodes and we've we've got some things planned uh for for the near future where we'll really dive into some some very interesting kind of there's some interesting stories behind some of the films that we're going to be reviewing in in some of the specials coming up soon Yes, and I do promise to finally get that, um, well, we promise
0: to finally get that uh, Phantasm franchise episode yeah. yep. in the books yep. that it's we've had on, on our schedule. It keeps getting pushed back, but it, it's going to be a good one. We're getting some guest hosts, and uh, yeah. we're going to look at the entire um, Phantasm saga, so all five films. and uh, So it should be a lot of fun, and yeah. hopefully yep. it'll is, be worth the wait.
1: <laughs> that is, it is in the pipeline, so it is, it is actually a thing that will be happening. <laughs>
0: Cool. Well, I mean, other than, you know, getting to rewatch a couple of your favorite werewolf movies, is there anything else you've been checking out or anything else that you feel like uh, just, uh, got you I, I, excited media-wise or seen anything good?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I did finally kind of dive a little bit further into Lost in Space, which is something that you brought up um, a few weeks ah, ago. Yes. And I, I got a little bit further into it, and, and uh, I, I liked it. Quite a lot. I still haven't gotten all the way through it yet, but I've I've really been enjoying <laughs> I mean, that yeah. one. Yeah, there's like I got I think so much. two
0: more episodes in since last time we talked about it. But I mean, it's it's I still have the same feeling about it, and hopefully I, I keep hoping it's gonna it's gonna change for me. But um, I'm still not loving it. I I like it, but it's hard to it's a it's a hard criticism to make sometimes when um to like fully say that something is like. Well written, well made, well acted, but it's just not really
1: connecting with
0: me for some reason, and I just mm. I'm finding it yeah. hard to get into. So
1: I've noticed um, that with a number of shows, not just on Netflix but Amazon or you know, any any of these streaming services, that's that seems to be kind of what we are being inundated with lately. Are these uh, you know binge season kind of things, binge shows that that streaming services have put out? And I remember I think House of Cards might have been like the first one if not the first one I just paid attention to. And I stuck with that for a few yeah. seasons, and I really liked it. I, it was such a cool new format. Like, you don't have to wait every week. You have to have some self-control and pace things out, which, <laughs> right. you know... Or not, and or, a lot of people just sit down to watch it in one day hence, or over a weekend you know, or something. Yeah, hence, so. hence binge. But, right. I mean, I think I started doing the, the the Netflix binging and stuff like that with, you know, obviously episodes of shows that had already aired. You know, so, like, I binged Dexter one spring break while i was grading stuff and writing papers i just let that play and that ended up being a bummer but you know the um but i think that this format that the streaming services are doing is is really cool um it's obviously very successful because they keep doing them and everything is putting out shows now which is which is great but now there's so much to choose from it's almost kind of like you know when um, and I'm dating myself a bit here, but when things like Napster first arrived on the scene, where it was like this was the first well-known thing you could use to, to download. Yeah, it was illegal. You're downloading music and all that stuff. Not to say I ever did that. Uh, of course not. But, but you, you knew people that did. And that but was, it so. <laughs> it really opened up. You know, people were started then uploading their own music to it, and then with YouTube and all, when when all of these things really started growing. Cause I'm old enough, I guess, and so are you, to remember when these things first came about and how they grew it was great because you had all this exposure to new media but the downside is you have to sift through a lot of shit to get to something good and i I think it took a lot of
0: work at times and i'm not going to dive deep into it but to find you know the entire album of songs or the entire you know series of uh shows or whatever you'd have to um you know dig through a whole bunch of files that were bogus crap or you know viruses got installed on your computer and exactly it was a, it was a lot of work it wasn't like you know now where we just kind of open up the streaming even like all the pirate sites not that i know any pirate sites but even you all you know mm-hmm. free movie sites yeah, that are based in you know somewhere strange in russia or whatever um but even those kind of look like the format or the base format of them is similar to the streaming services, so I don't think people understand the kind of time it took to
1: steal something back then. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, well, and and kind of tying it into the, our, our theme for the week, I remember in college you and I trying to track down uh, episodes from the 1980s TV show, Werewolf. And yes. And yeah, okay. I remember in college spending a couple evenings trying to track these things down, and somebody had really bad bootleg video copies, and they... they Put them up on some website. This was, I think, even before YouTube was big, so it was just yeah. a website where you could find random videos, and somebody had put that on there. And our it was such a horrible quality because it was—it literally looked like a a three times dubbed beta tape of this TV show taped off of TV. It was pretty rough to see anything, and at the same time, then when you finally could, it really wasn't much to look at. Um, So anybody who's never seen the show Werewolf or aren't familiar with it, um, first of all, you're not alone. And second, imagine the much better Incredible Hulk TV show with um, Bill Bixby and and Lou Frigna, but instead of it being the Hulk, it's a werewolf. Pretty much the same show. Yep. Pretty much the same. That's what I remember of it. And I think I've only ever seen the
0: couple episodes that we tracked down in college and checked out. Um, Mm -hmm. I know the whole series is available relatively inexpensively, both on DVD and and on youtube and may even be streaming somewhere at this point but sure um what an age we live in when all of that stuff even you know kind of marginally popular forgotten about television shows are readily available to us so we can you know nerd out over the weird obscure stuff that we like so well
1: yeah and i think especially you know a lot of the stuff that we talk about here um are, are movies that were maybe or series that were out in the in the 80s or the early 90s because that's when you and i were kids and this kind of whole thing is a is a nostalgia thing you know that's what our, kind of our whole show is about but and also introducing some new things of course too but i think there was quite a lot of of horror uh entertainment you know, especially like tv shows in the 80s and early 90s um and I could make the same argument there are a lot of them today but a lot of them are a lot more tamed down towards kids today so maybe they're about monsters but not really horror I mean you know yeah. there was this I think Fox put out Werewolf if I'm not mistaken or at least it was on Fox I think and um, I could I could be wrong on that but I thought I remember that I do know that there was also I was, was thinking also, it was prior to there being a Fox but I, I'm not sure I'm. they may have like, I think they may have syndicated it for a little while then. I remember seeing it on Fox, but, yeah, you're right, it could have been on another network. Um, but I know there was a show also called Forever Night. I don't know if you remember yep, that, one. that one. I remember that one, too, which yeah. Was a, it was essentially it was about a, a, a detective. Uh, who detective, is, yeah, it was a cop show, right, with a yeah. vampire. Yeah, he's a, he's also a vampire, yeah. And it was it was a yeah. pretty cool show. I mean, I don't know, I'd like to go back and revisit it. Maybe that's something we could review at some point, too, is a miniseries or series like that would be kind of fun, so.
0: Yeah, it'd be fun to look at, especially or if you get like a Greatest Hits episodes. If, if TV used to be a little more episodic. We could pull episodes and actually just look at them, not having to see a whole
1: series Netflix exactly. style
0: like these days. So.
1: Right, right. So, well, let's just jump right into the, right. Uh, the films we're going to be talking about this week and next week.
0: Yeah, so we're going to do a couple weeks of werewolf movies. And um, when I had to sit down and think about, you know, what are my favorite werewolf films and I came up with a list of probably four or five. Yep. And I have a feeling like four or five those four or five are probably the top ones that everyone's going to come up with. Um mm-hmm. however, this was recommended via our Facebook page by a former coworker of mine um that we do a review on Dog Soldiers, which yep. is the movie we're going to talk about this evening and being that it is definitely on my top 5 favorite werewolf films list, I couldn't help but pick this one. So thank you. To Madison Smith for selecting Dog Soldiers for us tonight. It's really your pick and not mine, but it would have been mine too, so. Um. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Hey, just a reminder, all the reviews we do here on the Video Junkyard podcast are full of spoilers. Now, most of the movies that we are reviewing are older than I am, so if you haven't seen them yet, get out there and watch them. But just as a warning... There are spoilers in these reviews. Spoiler alert. Absolutely brilliant. Ah! Thrilling. Mind it out! Exciting.
1: Yeah! Scary. I don't scare that easy. And funny. I'm sold. A horror film with bite. You what?
0: Sold! I'm in the closet!
1: A bitch of a werewolf movie. Fight Dog Soldiers. It'll blow your house down.
0: Dog Soldiers, a 2002 film directed by Neil Marshall. Mm-hmm. Let's see if I can find a really tiny synopsis here. A routine military exercise turns into a nightmare in the Scotland wilderness. That's about as small of a synopsis as you can come up with. But anyway, that's yeah. pretty much does it for... Um, so just uh, jumping back for a second, and I think one thing that's fun about talking about dog soldiers on this show mm-hmm. is I'm pretty sure this is the first film that we're going to talk about that I know for a fact you showed me the first time I saw it.
1: Okay, so, yeah. Uh,
0: yep. Yeah, I, I don't know where, I mean, maybe I should let you, you start the story
1: because I don't remember where you originally I picked up on it. So, um, I, gosh, it was in college, so it would have been like 2002. I think when this mm-hmm. came out, it was it was right after yeah. it came out. Yeah, it would out. have been and a fairly was, new movie, I think. And, I mean, I saw it was direct-to-video, so it was either 2002 or 2003. Um, gosh, it was the summer, I was living in Carbondale, Illinois, stopped at the Blockbuster uh, one day, I think I was home from a dig, and I had a couple of days off and just hanging out in my apartment, and I decided to go rent some movies, because that was a thing people used to do. And yeah. I, I I went through phases like you go to the video store and a lot most people pick movies that they've I've heard of before they've heard something about it. Um, you know, you and I, and, and I know some other folks used to do this too, you'd, you'd sometimes roll the dice and you'd gamble on a film based on the cover art or just like, this looks like a low budget something, I've never heard about this at all, I've never heard anything about it, let's just check it out. And I remember one mm-hmm. night we did that and we saw, uh, we, one, was a, one film had a theatrical release and the other three or something were all direct-to-video and all the direct-to-video ones were good and the theatrical ones sucked. So this was the same kind of thing. It was like dog soldiers and, and the right. cover art was kind of like it's like a cross between alien and predator and the howling <laughs> or something. I'm like, oh god, okay. I I can get drunk to this or something like that. And I rented it. Right. And, and watched the,
0: it and was The pucky. cover art, if I remember, and I actually like it better now than maybe I did when I originally saw it, but I thought it undersold the movie a little bit. It had like a kind of cartoonish version of the werewolf. Werewolves from the film on the front of it, if I remember correctly. The, Is that the, what you remember seeing? The like version,
1: the version I saw was more of the. Um, uh, it was like some mostly like a, a dark cover. You could kind of see the werewolf heads, and they were shadowed. And it said something. You know, the the the, the text on it was very military like. Um, yeah, you know, usually it, dog tags on them. Yeah, dog tags or something. But I remember it being kind of. Uh, Pretty monochromatic kind of a thing. Uh, I don't remember being too cartoonish, but I know there's been a number of different covers. In fact, the the DVD copy I have, the cover for it is just terrible. They look like gorillas with big fangs, and that's not no, at I all think, what the werewolves look like in this movie.
0: Yeah, the one that I have, the DVD I have of it, DVD and Blu-ray combo pack that I mm. just bought is pretty awful. The artwork's terrible. I'll get a little more into it later, but the transfer of the film is. not good either and Mm -hmm. i was i was very disappointed with the quality of it the film the film's great but yeah um quality of that dvd package and 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 luckily i was reading about it and it looks like i I believe scream factory did a special edition of it and uh neil marshall actually oversaw a remastering of of the film for blu-ray because he himself was extremely disappointed with uh the dvd blu-ray combo pack that unfortunately i bought before i read all of that so um Uh
1: but anyway well yeah and i think you know i think this film actually i you know what i don't think it ever had a theatrical release i think it was um it was a sci-fi it was a sci-fi movie it was it premiered as a sci-fi pictures movie on the sci-fi channel
0: yeah so in the united states it was it would premiere Mm -hmm. on the sci-fi channel obviously edited for television so it was a shorter version of the film um Mm -hmm. probably only slightly shorter because i'm sure they just edited for content but
1: yeah Um, it did
0: premiere on television in the uk it did have a small theatrical release i believe okay um as well as in some other countries i think some some of the money from for the movie uh was put up by um i don't remember what they're called luxembourg oh okay um film board or whatever so i'm sure it had a little bit of a theatrical run there as well sure um
1: god i I don't know
0: in like the two theaters in that country but
1: yeah (laughs) god i just remember watching this and you know i was expecting something to just kind of have on in the background and yeah because let's be honest most werewolf movies that you just randomly pick it's a guy in a rubber mask and a gorilla suit you know but this was i mean there's some there's some fantastic ones where it's exactly that but But this one this is the example i give to people of sometimes you just have to roll the dice and i've noticed as i'm getting older it's harder to do that because i'm like god i only have so much time in the evening i can't just sit around and watch multiple movies like i used to be able to but oh yeah but this is one like don't give up hope because sometimes when you're wading through the shit you find a gem like dog soldiers um this movie Mm -hmm. was really incredible i think this was one i probably the next day i was like dude you have to see this um yeah i feel like it was like just shortly after like I don't
0: know, we were looking for a movie to watch or whatever. And, um, and I do feel like it was in college uh, for yeah. sure that we sat down and watched this. And then, again, yeah, I was blown away. And I uh, I had another good friend that was a big fan of this movie and uh, got talking to him about it right away as well. And I've um, seen it many times mm-hmm. since. Uh, however, it had been a little while since I'd seen it. So I probably, I don't know, I couldn't tell you, but I had to rebuy it. I had a copy of it long ago, had since gotten rid of that and um mm, okay repurchased the the blu-ray and i don't know yeah it was a lot of fun to sit down and watch it again it's it's it holds up i feel like i still enjoyed it just as much as i did the first time i saw it yeah um it was kind of cool sitting down and watching it because well the first time i saw this the entire cast of this movie was totally unknown to me and right? now i sit down and watch it and like pretty much everybody in this has like gone on to do something um,
1: oh, that's Liam Cunningham. Oh, that's Sean they're, Pertwee. Yeah, they're almost, <laughs> yeah.
0: exactly. Yeah, they're like all on television shows and fairly big. Had gone on to have fairly big careers. Like, uh, yeah, Sean Pertwee's on Gotham, and of course is you know the son of John Pertwee, who played the Third Doctor on Doctor Who, and yep. looks astonishingly like him. Well, and, and creepy. At and times, and
1: but... when Liam Cunningham's on the screen, I'm just thinking, no, think, think Game of Thrones. Don't trust. Him. Yeah, <laughs> right. I'm not spoiling Game of Thrones. But, well, and then, you know, Kevin McKidd, who's the star, he was on Grey's Anatomy. Um, yep, yep. He was in Train Spotting. Yeah, I was actually trying
0: to figure out where I knew him from, and because I, I had seen bits and pieces of Grey's Anatomy because my mm-hmm. wife watched the whole series, but um, it didn't click right away. I'm like, oh, man, I know that guy from, from something. What other movies has he been in? And I found, you know, just by punching his name in right away, that's his, his big thing. So, yep. And then I remembered him
1: from that show, too. So. Yeah, well, from Train Spotting. Um, you know, he was in Danny Boyle's film Train Spotting as well. Yeah, so no, it, right. it's, yeah, Yeah, which of course came out earlier, but actually, honestly, I don't think I saw Train Spotting until a little bit later in college. So, I was I was behind the I was a bit behind on that one, and that's a film huh. maybe we could review at some point too. Holy shit, that's a that movie. Oh awesome. yeah, I love that one. But yeah, this one. I mean, I, I think so personally. One of the things I really loved about Dog Soldiers the first time and still love it is the design of the werewolves in it because i that's one of my favorite forms when you watch werewolf movies you've either got the one where it's mostly human like in lon chaney's you know you know the original lon chaney jr the wolf man right where he's kind of he's a guy with a lot of hair and some tiny he's very much a wolf man i mean that's exactly what Yep. and and then you've got the mostly wolf which is things like american wolf in london or the movie eventually in the movie wolf with jack nicholson they kind of did both of the extremes on there and then you've got the anthropomorphic bipedal werewolf that you see in films like the howling uh silver bullet and in dog soldiers but the way they do it in dog soldiers is so different than anything i'd ever seen before um these things are are not they they don't kind of fall into the umbrella that you see. And again, I'm not criticizing these films. I really like them. But movies like Silver Bullet um, and, and a number of other werewolf films from around that time did have a habit of the werewolf always looking kind of bear-like, you know? Yeah, kind of big and halt, like bulky shoulders. Right, and, and yep. the ones in in Dog Soldiers, I think, are you know they're they're pretty top heavy, but then they're very sleek. And if you've ever seen any other Neil Marshall films, especially. His creature films. Uh, I'm thinking specifically of The Descent. You can right, definitely yep. see some design similarities between the the troglodyte cannibal things in The Descent and the werewolves in this film. There's there's some similarities yeah. in, and I think how he's directing motion, um, how they yeah. move and how they're shot, especially is is just really really impressive for a film that didn't have a huge budget. Um, yeah, I mean, but I they thought they did the... a lot with a little. It's great. Yeah, the werewolf creatures in this movie are
0: pretty incredible. And the reason they're pretty incredible, I think, is because, exactly, uh, Neil Marshall knew how to shoot them, or, or I'd probably give credit to whoever the director of photography on the film was as well. But it, they never really uh, spend a lot of time, or never let the camera kind of rest on, on the creatures, or especially on the masks. Right. Um, and that, it makes it very... Um, It makes it so that you can you you don't have time to really like sit and uh stare at the the mask so any anything that was a little cheap about the costumes is is hidden very well by the way they shoot them they also never never show them in direct you know light and uh um and i actually like that i mean not just because you're hiding the cheapness of special effects or the makeup um in a low budget film but also because i think it keeps some mystery to the creature i think things stay scarier when you keep a little shadow across it and uh Maybe you let the imagination fill in a couple of gaps. Um, nowadays, it's all about you know showing as much and as often as you can show the creature in the movie and as much detail as possible, mm-hmm. just because you can do it. And I don't think they ever stop and think about, well, maybe it'd be a little more effective if we didn't do that and we didn't let yeah. the pe- you know, the audience know every I mean, little detail and nook and cranny of.
1: It, it's a good example. Of the more you creatures. see, the more you see, the more you can see something wrong. Yeah, you know, well, and, and
0: going back to kind of the general design of the werewolves that you thought said was impressive to you, I agree, they almost have something kind of superhuman to them mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I don't remember seeing in a lot of werewolf films. Obviously, they display some, I mean, they're just like knocking people across the room, so they definitely display some sort of superhuman strength. They seem to be somewhat impervious to the weapons used against them. Mm-hmm. Um, you can kill them, it's, it's definitely possible, I think they get blown up and they do get shot to death at a couple of, but they also very much run through bullets and are stabbed, I think there's one scene where, what's his name, stabs one of the werewolves like, I don't know how many times, like 20 times Yeah. and the thing he gets up and keeps coming at him, so
1: there's well, they, definitely they, some kind of like They do show some evidence in this about how there, Yeah, there is some imperviousness, there's also some kind of a healing factor, I mean you've got Sean yeah um uh or i'm sorry uh what's the liam cunningham's character um yeah no i'm sorry no well, it was Sh- sean, sean Purchase yeah. gets like uh, the disemboweled sarge. the sarge gets yep. disemboweled and they super glue his stomach back together which is a
0: well he's really he's incredible dying scene. when he's drug into yeah. the yeah <laughs> into and, the and the i
1: mean it really is an incredible house. scene just because it's it's gory but it's done in a you don't mind it because it's so intense. The scene is so action packed. Well, the and, movie is so action packed. But cut by the end of the movie, he's second, like before we around. Get, before we get like too far into the movie, we
0: actually didn't. Um, so, I read that like one line synopsis, but so generally, Dog Soldiers is about a unit of um, British Army soldiers who are put on a training exercise. Kind of an over the weekend, sudden, suddenly called out to do a training in the Scottish Highlands, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so out in the middle of nowhere, uh, kind of dropped in, and there's supposedly another team of soldiers out there somewhere. Uh, special ops guys that are gunning for them. Um, a Training exercise. They think they have to make it to a certain place without being detected by the special ops guys. You know, war games training, right? Um, such and such. So while they're out in the in the bush, tra- um, going about their training exercise, they are they suddenly come across werewolves and pretty suddenly it just like all of a sudden they're under attack by um the monsters
1: yeah and and go ahead i was gonna say what i really love about that whole sequence right it's uh, this is a problem with horror films normally is that you you've got a bunch of characters and they're all cannon fodder you know, yeah, we get to a point in some nightmare in Elm Street and Friday Thirteenth movies where you're almost like, oh, I can't wait for this one to go. I've already heard people yeah. say that about shows like Walking Dead. You know, I don't like that character. I want them to get <laughs> eaten. You know, they're all going to die at some point in the show. This yeah. is a film though that the way they handle the the soldiers yeah. in this in this troop that are doing this training exercise, you like them. They actually take a few yeah. precious moments and
0: that is one of the first things i wrote characters. down about this like 10 minutes into the film and i said just mm-hmm. it, just right off the bat like they do such a good job of quickly characterizing these people and, and in, in, a, in a way that's effective it, they're not just kind of cookie cutter like good guy right. bad guy but um they're all very individual characters and you get a good sense of them and it, it, it's really just a short scene at the beginning kind of a campfire scene they're kind of you know in a, to use a british term taking the piss out of each other you know goofing mm-hmm. around and um you do you get a good sense of who everybody is uh there's a nice little prologue scene in the beginning yes that sets up ryan and um coopers who are kind of your two main characters that's uh Mm
1: -hmm.
0: liam cunningham and um kevin kidd's characters um but kind of sets up their relationship or their their history with one another and also is like one of the great it's why this script is so good it's 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 like a perfect use of foreshadowing because there's a scene with uh um kevin mckid's cooper uh not being quote-unquote man enough to kill a dog to join um ryan's group of special ops right um soldiers and it just kind of excellently excellently foreshadows the third act of the film which is kind of the reverse of this uh it basically sets up what's going to happen throughout the rest of the film all in that one little scene but it also effective use of foreshadowing it
1: also does a really good job of establishing the the ryan character as somebody who's principled and is right is honest you know it's like it's it's a nice little you mean cooper not I'm Ryan. i'm sorry cooper yeah i'm sorry yeah Liam kind of right ryan's certainly
0: principled but
1: different right principle. um but but how he you know you've got this the the lead character and you're it's a little bit of you're kind of feeding you a little bit that here's a person that you can trust no matter because this movie does get a little bit into who can you trust and who you, who can't you and so it's kind of nice to know going you know through the gate okay here's a character that that's this one's not going to turn on you here's your hero um yeah but, the, so, yeah, but it at does. the same it does time it doesn't like it, yeah it does all that but also doesn't sacrifice all the other characters in that way either it doesn't feed you this is the person that's okay. There's a little bit of that. Some of the other soldiers, like you can tell this guy's a bit of the comic relief, but it's a great way yeah. of establishing all of these characters like and their you, relationships. You got any quote-unquote
0: red shirts here? No, like, no. They were all very much characters, and each one of them, you know, there was never the one you were rooting for, like, man, I hope that obnoxious guy gets, you know, <laughs> taken out. And, and certainly um, other movies do that intentionally. Um, mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. So... As it as they kind of truck along, so they get attacked by werewolves, and eventually, and not to make this like it's it's derivative, but comes a becomes a kind of a Night of the Living Dead situation where they hold themselves up in this house that they find out in the uh, middle of the Scottish Highlands, and they are being attacked by werewolves trying to get into the house, and they are trying to barricade themselves in, and then you know eventually figure out a way to escape. And then the rest of it all unfolds. It turns out, like, whoops, we actually just are inside the werewolf's house. and
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah it so, turns uh, out the whole, all the werewolves. There's a family that lives on this <laughs> island. Yeah. And and then there's the female lead, um, you know, the, this biologist that they, they run into, uh, played by Emma Cleesby. Um, yep. Yeah. And she's, you know, at first she's like just this biologist who's there. She knows the people that live there. And then as you get further it, and further it's, you find it's out pretty nicely Megan her is her character pretty
0: nicely unfolds like there's a lot of like I, I mean I always found her very mysterious all of a sudden she just kind of pops up out of nowhere and has not a whole lot of explanation and you get little kernels a- along the way of what and she she kind of changes her story a couple times too if you listen carefully yeah. so she's kind of suspicious to me right away yes um and then you get little kernels of this and that like oh wait her and Ryan know each other um mm-hmm. and she kind of like almost laughs it off like oh yeah well he needed my help on you know the last mission when they came out they were um trying to militarize the werewolves actually i think was what it came down to it's what yeah like, the, the little bit of background you got in what what ryan's special ops people were all about is they put you know cooper and his men out there as bait to try and catch some of these werewolves um
1: yeah and that's one of the things i liked about this too um is it's there's a lot of not a lot but there's a handful of subplots there's the one with megan and then there's the one with ryan um and those get a little they don't get convoluted they don't they, they take some twists and turns but they're very easy to follow along this isn't a film that you're going to have to pause and say wait what's going on um it, it, it no but it's it's a good use of some subplots to help drive thing, things along a little bit um it's uh It's a really, really well done. It's I think one of the other reasons too this was such a a breath of fresh air for me uh, as a fan specifically of werewolf films um, is that this is it's just so incredibly well made. Not just like oh the effects of the acting, no the storytelling and the way that it's shot and the way that that story unfolds is very, very good. It's not the classic oh one of us is a werewolf who could it be kind of things. It's it's much bigger. It doesn't take on the form of
0: a of a whodunit. No, and it's. It's not small in that way. It, it might be a small movie in, like, the yes. fact that it was a fairly low budget, and it was Neil Marshall, I believe, his his feature film debut. Mm. And... Um but, but it's definitely not a small movie. It definitely feels more like something, like a sci-fi action movie, like Aliens or Predator it or something. It feels like a lot lines. like, yeah, it reminds me um, a lot of Aliens. So, so it's tagline that you were talking about from the original video cassette it tape. It's pretty damn accurate. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's actually a pretty good, ac- and that's, that's kind of what I was thinking as I'm watching it again, is like this, we talk about this we put it into the category because it features werewolves. We always put it into the category with other werewolf films, but it really has very little in common with most of the other ones on my favorite werewolf list. Like, there right. are certainly other werewolf action movies that, um, for better or worse, are out there. But um, this one is definitely among the best of those, like, sci fi action flicks. It's basically Aliens on the
1: Scottish Highlands. <laughs> like, and I think one of the good things um, about it is it. There, I was going to mention there's some really nice homages to night of the living dead oh yeah um, there's that, the whole scene of about, like, in the about like about like there's a you know there's a car in the barn we got to bring it over here that's like right out of night mm-hmm. of the living dead so it's i wouldn't want to say I mean, just the
0: fact that and i again i don't want to i am not calling the film derivative i don't think no no if 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 you're calling this derivative of night of the living dead the night of the living dead was you know derivative of I what am is legend. it *Rio bravo and you know a yeah. hundred westerns that came before it um it's not the the whole plot of being isolated and there being like a you know force inside waiting to kind of crush you out of a your uh your last hope for survival um exactly that's not necessarily something that's unique to any film so night of the living dead wasn't the first one to do that so calling dog soldiers derivative of that yeah. film is not is not accurate i don't think or fair to right it, um, right um Right, but But yeah, it definitely has
1: some of those homages to it. Yeah, and 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 I think there's some scenes that are more than just elements of like being trapped in the house, but like like I was saying before, the you know you have to go get the truck so we can all get out of here. Oh, it's in the barn and getting. I mean, that's like the whole part in Night of Living Dead with them going to get the truck and then the gas key and it all goes to hell. Right, so they have an escape Mm -hmm. plan and it goes to hell. It's it's so similar that it doesn't feel like it's a rip off. It doesn't feel derivative. It actually feels like an homage.
0: Um, oh yeah, you know, yeah. So it I think seems... it, I think it is. I mean, but... he's he's written in like four or five really solid, like knowing homages to other of his of other films that he obviously right. respects. And then, then I, I'm not sure this is almost kind of a peer. I guess it's like
1: four or five years
0: after The Matrix, but there's a, a Matrix homage in there. Yeah, oh there, which yeah. Is very there's, obvious.
1: A, there's some references thrown into yeah. other films, like yeah, there's the reference the, the Matrix reference, which was which was pretty cute. Um, yeah, and one of the things too that I'm critical of when I watch horror films, especially werewolf movies, is if you're going to do a werewolf movie, how do you do the transformation? Which is a big feat. I'm, I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do, you know, you yep. went from the old lap dissolves that they did in the nineteen forty one Wolfman, and you know where it's like he just sits there, and then they they shoot a few frames, and then they put some hair on him, and they shoot it again, yeah. and a little more hair. Which, and by the way, those again. totally work. Like those, it, are... <laughs> it, it some of them did really well, and but then and then they do things like in the movie, you know, Werewolf of London, where he just kind of walks behind pillars, and every time he comes out from another pillar, he's more <laughs> fangy right. and wolfy and stuff. Um, to then going to things like the Howling in an American Orphan London where they show it and they're using all these, you know, practical effects and and it's especially special effects makeup, right? Which was this brand Mm -hmm. new thing. Now everything's CGI and it all looks like shit. But there was that in between you know, this was a film that couldn't do the CGI, and I'm so glad they didn't. They weren't gonna do they weren't gonna do, you know, lap stuff. And they didn't have how they handled I loved it. They didn't have the money for Um, they didn't have the money for the practical effects, so they just didn't show it. And that's fucking fine. (laughs) That's fine. Yeah, I mean, he falls
0: down beneath the table and then pops up and he's a werewolf. And
1: and they do show some things. Like, they show from one shot, one cut to the next, his teeth are getting bigger, his eyes are different. Right, his eyes change. They do a little bit of, like, you know, the Jack Nicholson wolf makeup on him. Mm -hmm. And then when he falls down, he comes up, and he's this, the big wolf-headed thing you know and so it's it, honestly i found that an easier suspension of disbelief than some of the cgi that i've seen in a lot of other werewolf films so again like we were talking about before you know the more you see the more you see problems and in this case they just they aren't going to show you their hand and you just go along with it and it works really well yeah. because i think too like you know, this has homages to Night of the Living Dead, and there's definitely, like, the, the tone is very similar to Alien. I think you could make this movie great without werewolves. You could throw in any monster. It could be vampires. Yes. It could be zombies. It could be whatever. And you're going to have pretty much the same film. So really, werewolves I think... Werewolves is more fun because you get a little bit more
0: of that, like... Feral? Monster. Yeah. Yeah. Like, monster imagery. Like, vampires would just be, you know... Not that it couldn't be done. I mean, it would work that way. 30 just, days a night, get, you know? Yeah. Yeah
1: you know but i think this has the, the it, it's what's great about this werewolf movie is it's not entirely about the werewolves you know it's really about yeah. the char- the main characters are characters you care about it's not just they're not throwaway so you can see the the monster there and the monsters in this case it's not just one so it's it's a very very different feel like you were saying it, it's almost unfair to classify it with other werewolf films because it does something so incredibly different and in a way, I'm kind of glad we don't have a lot of werewolf movies like this I mean, yeah I mean it could it could only be done so
0: many times yeah. I think before it would get the, the the format would really get kind of overused and I'm surprised we haven't seen something similar to this come out with you know a little more like bigger budget, lots of cGI um, yeah. type werewolf action movie. well, we have the um, entire underworld series yeah that's that we true. don't want it I have we have ever
1: it. seen any of those so i've <laughs> seen a few of them and i can't i have i i went to see the first couple in theaters because i kept hoping for redemption and because it was a good concept yeah. i thought oh romeo and juliet with vampires yeah, and wolves, okay i actually own um underworld
0: on dvd i believe again probably like a bargain bin buy but i have never watched it
1: it <laughs> i i, bring I have, myself
0: to like out of all the other stuff i have waiting to watch for me to yeah. I don't like any of them, outlet. and
1: and before anybody says, oh, however, I know there are a couple of shots in those films where they do use practical effects for the werewolves, like their animatronics and things. However, um, you can tell that they they show a lot of the werewolves in those films, you know, on screen CGI. So when they did make the animatronics, they made them look like the CGI counterparts. So they just look. They look kinda of like were rats. I don't know. <laughs> to me they don't yeah. look like wolves. They look more like big oily rats. <laughs> and so Well, you know. Uh, maybe someday
0: we'll take a look at those movies and we can And if you're gonna make a them.
1: if you're gonna make a movie about big oily rats, then make a movie about big oily rats. Just don't call them werewolves. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I uh, do have one the- criticism of dog soldiers Though i was
0: just gonna say one one little thing and i'll get to that i'll let you come right back to that in a second mm, sure. one little thing i thought was cool about uh dog soldiers in general is that you were pointing out and i'm only cutting you off because it was kind of built into the point you were making before we sure. got off on the underworld tangent yeah. but um <laughs> that you, you got kind of a compassion for your characters and the characters are really yeah. well built and um the conflict is really good between your characters and then there's kind of the mystery of the the biologist woman and um I also think it's interesting that she has a relationship, and later you find out that she's actually a member of the family, but she has a relationship with the family of werewolves and, and, and keeps reminding the soldiers in the house that, like, these are people, like, they just have an affliction, and they're actually very kind people, and um, I don't. once the ending comes and you find out she's actually one of the family, I'm not sure how how much I trust her on that. But while she's saying it, it's a very interesting point that I don't think yeah. in most movies like this you would you would see somebody making that point. Like, these aren't, you know, these aren't monsters. They're people that are afflicted with this condition, <laughs> whether it be genetic or whatever. They never really get into the
1: biology of it, but... Yeah, um, I mean, there's the kind of the misunderstood monster thing, like you could say, about, you know, mm-hmm. Frankenstein's monster or um and and you know guess what
0: you're in their house (laughs) trying to kill them you took over their house and you're um yeah there is there is a little bit of a a different way to look at it and i thought that was interesting too so
1: and i I also did love i also i mean this movie is gory so if you're gonna watch it be warned because when the werewolves eat something there's nothing left but like puddles (laughs) <laughs> with some yeah. viscera in them which, it's, I, it's... which is why i can't imagine them premiering this on the sci-fi
0: channel on cable oh yeah and this is before like you know now, nowadays late at night on cable you can get away with it a little bit but
1: not in the 2002 the yeah. out, there's yeah.
0: no way yeah it, it
1: definitely would have had to been there, there's pretty chopped up for. so i have this version. one minor criticism of the film yes, there yeah. there is one it's it's the bookends so this film mm-hmm. does have some bookends you know there is this one of the earlier scenes where it's Cooper and Ryan and the dog, but there's actually technically, um, you know, a, a kind of a, a prologue in a way, where it's this couple that are out camping in the Highlands, and oh, yeah. the yep. the husband or boyfriend, the male character, is I almost totally forgot about that. Yeah, he's yep. given a silver letter opener knife thing as a gift, and then they're mm-hmm. in their tent and they're promptly eaten. And then at the end, again, you know, we talk about spoilers. Uh, and then at the end, you know, you've got this, um, the, this whole thing where they're, you know, they're, the house is pretty much demolished because you know Cooper's fighting and he's surviving and everything. And he finds the knife, he finds the letter opener, yep. and uses it, and that's kind of what saves him. And I just, I didn't like that. That was the one thing about this movie I thought, oh, well, that's kind of a It was down. such
0: kind of a, I mean. I don't know, it didn't bug me a whole lot because it's an old, I don't know, old screenwriting story that if, it, pretty much to put it down, an old screenwriting rule that, like, you know, if there's going to be a gun in Act 3, make sure that you show show your audience the gun in Act 1. Um, right. And I think that follows that rule really nicely. Like, this screenplay could be used to teach screenwriting, I think. It's that tight and it's that, like, perfectly It is put together. And, it is. And that's, that's another element of that is, like, if you were to cut that prologue out, and they just randomly found oh, silver thing,
1: werewolf, silver. I mean, oh, this is going to be oh. the thing that. Yeah, no, um, no, 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 no. Don't don't get me wrong. I didn't like the silver thing at all. <laughs> I didn't yeah, like it okay, being used at well, the end. Even I, I thought that um, was kind of. They a did weak have some ending. talk
0: in the middle of the film when they're talking about what's going on. Where some doesn't somebody mention some? They're going through like the little mythology, mythology, and they kind of toss it all out. Like, yeah, that's, you know whatever let's just shoot them <laughs> kind of um yeah they so, do
1: but if, if it's for that silver that like... it works i was gonna say if it's yeah silver i mean so I still, works, i'm trying to why would the werewolves keep it that's the yeah, only I... thing that that always
0: bugged me about. maybe they just didn't realize they drug the corpse back in and i don't know but yeah i i, I see what you're saying it's a little bit of a, a a freebie at the end of the like oh here's the one thing that you possibly could find that could get you out of the situation,
1: and just happens to be sitting right there. Yeah, it's um, that kind of thing, and I. So it. it yeah, and I can see that. It, it's that's the kind of stuff that. Again, I'm not taking tons of points off this movie for that. I just it, thought for his intelligence stuff like
0: that doesn't tend to bug me, especially if it's like set up in the proper way. Like you know, it's about putting the pieces in place more than the actual like real world believability of it for me.
1: Yeah, it, it just felt kind of
0: kind of. But lazy. I see what you're saying yeah. at the same time. Like I, I, I see where that could. Be. It's it's like it, instead of like writing writing your way out of yeah the ending using the the pieces that you have right in front of you, you have to pull something out.
1: The movie does outside such a of the current, it does like, such a great job but, of dealing with characters and how their characterizations help them get through situations in this film. They've got mm-hmm. these these very well crafted characters, and they have motivations. And they use... We even give some backstory. So, you know, you're getting these... Especially with the Cooper character, you're getting this really, really, uh, you know, growth of a character. You're really going into what makes this character who they are. And the big climax thing is done with a scene that could have been tacked on in the beginning. It was just... It, it felt yeah. kind of like, oh, really? You're not going to use something else to... Okay, I get I mean, it didn't... It didn't ruin the film for me, not at all. It's like I said, it's not going to make me like downgrade points on it. I'd say if I have to find one criticism, it's like that line that yeah. Milhouse says to Bart in that one episode of The Simpsons, where he says, If you have a flaw, it's that you're a perfectionist. If you have a flaw, you know, if this <laughs> film has a flaw, it's that the, the book ends for it, the, the prologue and how it works into the end felt pretty lazy it felt kind of lazy i felt like they that they could have done more this this really intelligently written and very you know engaging film right it's an exciting movie and it's this kind of like thing that just kind of solves it all it was just i don't know it felt it it was it was a pretty big MacGuffin. i thought i thought that was kind of you know
0: suppose i can see that i don't know didn't bug me as much.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it um, hasn't bugged me enough to not watch it again. I really loved it. But it was something, I don't right. even think I noticed it the I'd... first few times I saw it. It was actually relatively recently. I was re-watching it. Again, I see, I watch it probably about once a year. And I was like, oh, wait I... a minute. That's kind of odd. You know, it just kind of struck me, I think. Um, I think the, f- the the first handful of times I saw it, though, I was so just blown away by how good it was. I wouldn't notice those kind of things. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's if, if this film has something... one flaw, it's that yeah well i'll take that yeah
0: i suppose um i think something to, to like point out about this movie and not that anyone listening at this point of the show mm-hmm. hopefully you've all seen dog soldiers but we kind of go on talking about this movie that and putting it in genre the horror genre and we, subject matter like why is describing the plot of this it sounds like a very like serious um heavy type film and it, Oh, no. It actually is not. It's quite funny. Yeah, it is. And it is, it is um, fairly light in tone, considering you're dealing with this Night of the Living Dead type.
1: <laughs> oh um, yeah, there's. I mean, not just the guys busting each other's chops and stuff like that, but you know the right the jokes. The, I mean, any any werewolf movie where, as a guy's getting ready to be devoured, he looks the werewolf in the eye and says, "I hope I give you the shits." Yep. <laughs> I was going to say, like the
0: there's there's a lot of moments of like. Um, I don't know if you want to call it machismo or bravado from these these soldiers that, that is a bit over the top and, and definitely played for laughs. Yeah. There's also a lot of over-the-top violence in it, which is not quite Evil Dead over the top. but um, And I'm, I'm really referring to Evil Dead 2 whenever I say Evil Dead, whenever I yeah. Yeah, over-the-top comment like that. But um, it's not quite totally played for comedy, but um, it's definitely... Uh, Yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say is it maintains this really nice, like, B-movie schlockiness that keeps the tone light and keeps the movie, like, funny and fun rather than, um, which is, again, another reason why I would compare it to James Cameron's Aliens movie, because I think it's got a very similar tone. Like, that has a lot of um, humor in it, as well as being tense and being a, a very good, you know, supernatural action movie. Right. Um, it does. It's it's just very frenetic and a lot of fun, and it's got a lot of laughs, and it's got, um, I don't know. This is a little movie that just uh, kind of accomplishes everything a lot of big budget movies fail to accomplish. There, there was
1: another thing that I noticed watching it this this time around, uh, which is is great. Now You mentioned something about this too, like you know, rewatching a movie that you've seen numerous times because you're going to be doing a review of it. Um, mm-hmm. you, you pick up on things that you don't, maybe you haven't picked up on before, and there's a really cool scene You know, the, the op- one of the earlier scenes in the film, when the entire troop is sitting around the campfire, and it's when you're really getting to know each other, right, you're getting to know who these characters are, which is really a great scene and I wish more horror films would do things like this um, there's a part when Sarge uh, Sean Pertwee's character tells a story about uh, yeah. a, his a friend of his from uh, when he was in Iraq in the early 90s uh, this guy named Eddie and about a tattoo that he got and then he steps on a landmine and all this and it's it's one of these really chilling stories that gets a bit philosophical and it reminded me it's it's very similar in tone and how it's executed to and it almost feels like an homage in and of itself of Quint's story about the Indianapolis in Jaws yeah yeah it reminded me and of that as well there's only a handful of movies that do that i could the other example i can think of is uh in the film the most dangerous game uh with ice T. sorry uh yeah ice T and gary busey Ice-T-ing. gary busey yep. tells a story about his dog being this vicious dog he had as a kid and it's the same similar kind of thing where you have these little side parables told in a movie at the right moment to build up some tension and it's like I'm sure there's other films that do it, but it's not very common and it's incredibly effective when used correctly. Yeah. And, and this was a good example of it. It create well, That story that, in and of itself is creepy and cool. Yeah, and I think that was a great scene that kind of
0: set up. And we were talking about it earlier, but set up the characters and not only Sean Pertry's character, but everybody else's reaction to that story as well. Yep. And, um, yeah, and, and I think it it ends up in actually a light moment. It's this very, like, dark and kind of. Um, kind of feels like the sergeant opening himself up to his troop a little bit. Yeah, he but does and it, it it turns out to you know it ends in kind of a light moment of them all kind of joking around and um it's it's an endearing moment. So it's these are people that are kind of forced into a situation together but you can see the respect for that person. I think that drives a lot of the narrative, Cooper's feelings towards the Sarge or mm-hmm. I don't remember his actual name, but because <laughs> they just call him Sarge most of the yeah. time. But um it drives a lot of his motivation in this.
1: It, film, it does so his it, respect for him as a yeah, leader. The way and, I, I think that scene mm-hmm. when Sarge tells that story too. There's a. Um, you're right. It ends in a lighthearted thing because he tells this really chilling story, and it's pretty silent for a while. And then some one of the other guys cracks a joke, and then they all start laughing and they start talking about something else. And the camera cuts back to Sean Pertwee. And the Sarge kind of looks, and he gets this little smirk on his face, and then just kind of goes back to looking at something else. And it's kind of, yep. it's, it's a like, very good acting, and just the way it's shot, it's a bit of a, oh, these, these guys are still kind of kids. They're, they're not there yet. And it kind of emphasizes him as a bit of a, a father-like in the respect that they have for him this father-like figure to him he's the sarge he's very much so you know and so i just it's those little subtle things i'm not trying to read into it too much it's those little subtle things that are just really really impressive uh in a film that it's one of those for me it was one of those random things i grabbed off the blockbuster shelf and i'm so glad i did because it's this is real i agree this is a, a screenplay that could be used to really teach how to pace a story and and if you're going to have some twists and turns with those characters here's how you do it without it being kind of you know over the top it's really really a great get a sense
0: of who your characters are in a very short period of time i mean i think he does an incredible job of doing that so yeah i agree we could probably go on about dog soldiers all night but i do think we need to kind of draw this one to a close so if you got to give dog soldiers a letter grade or where do you fall uh, uh, on this one
1: I'm, I'm giving it a solid a i think um this is a film that i think if it would have had um a wider release on you know in the theaters if it was marketed a certain way maybe if it had some different a-list celebrities or i think this is the kind of movie that could have been um a big hit in theaters you know i think this aired on the sci-fi channel in that era when everything on the sci-fi channel was a joke and, yeah. and in many cases, rightfully so. But in this one, it was... Uh, I don't want to say this is what turned the tides for sci-fi because they put out a lot of crap after this. But this was... Um, it, i know there was talk of a sequel for a while and it just never manifested
0: supposedly there's been two or three tries where they yeah. greenlit a sequel a couple of times and it's just never
1: gotten all the way and i think neil marshall at this point so. has has grown as a filmmaker i don't know if he'll ever go back yeah. to this again but i think he he's washed his hands of it at this point yeah. um he was not
0: directly involved except on a producer level i think with any of the sequel attempts there mm-hmm. was two attempts to make a film and then there's an at a web series i believe based right. on dog soldiers um he had a script or at least an outline for a sequel and he if you if you, anyone has time i won't go into it right now but it does describe it on the wikipedia page in neil marshall's words what of what his uh sequel would have right. been about so, so um what would you give it anyway but oh i'd give it an a maybe an a plus it's a favorite yeah like uh it's 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 a fun fast-paced um I don't know, it's got a little bit of everything it's got the it's got enough of the like splatter and monsters and um all of the stuff that like you know uh genre fans are looking for but it, it's got good characters and it's got a, a story it's got some stuff going on in it and uh yeah i don't know it's it's good stuff it's it's everything that like a genre and i again i'm gonna stick this in the sci-fi action genre more than in the straight horror yeah um it's got everything you could you could want out of there if you if you enjoy things like movies like alien and predator this will be right up your alley but i also think if um if you are somebody who enjoys you know more straight horror films and haven't seen dog soldiers that you, you'll have enough of the the um blood and guts and monsters and uh that stuff to wet your whistle as well so absolutely um, yeah this is this is an this is an a plus all-time favorite of mine so i I would recommend this one to anybody out there that is listening to a podcast called the Video Junkyard Podcast. You should see Dog Soldiers if you haven't already. For sure. Absolutely. Oh, and by the way, you mentioned um, this this kind of where it stood when it came out. Um, just one final thought. This kind of did launch Neil Marshall's career and his, his mm-hmm. sophomore effort was The Descent, which did get major distribution. Yep. And uh, he's gone on to do a lot of interesting stuff including which i thought was funny we opened the show talking about lost in space um he actually directed the first two episodes i believe of the lost in space netflix series so he's still very active and uh so yeah if you've seen those and and you like
1: those then you've already gotten a taste of what this director can do um and even going back to like you said this is one of his first films if not his first major film and or full feature and yeah i think he uh He's going to get, he's also directed a number of episodes of, of Game of Thrones. So he's yes, he's somebody yes. who you've probably he's seen. He's doing his a work. lot of television work in the past mm-hmm. five, ten years, yeah. Yeah. So uh next week we are going to be continuing our werewolf series. And um Ow. not sure how much we want to give away from did you just try to howl? Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> I can't say I didn't consider it. So if you're getting um, over a
0: cold, um, <laughs> don't try to don't make a werewolf a sound. It's, not, it's just not coming out right. <laughs> yeah, anyway.
1: yeah, so next week we are going to be continuing <laughs> the Werewolf series uh, with my favorite film, American Werewolf in London 1981 from Universal. Um, can't yes. wait. So, uh, But thanks again for listening, everybody. Make sure you do check us out on Facebook, Twitter, um, all the all the social media sites that the kids are using now. Uh, give us some feedback. Have you seen Dog Soldiers? Um, is it a film that you like? What are some other thoughts you might have on it? Where was the first time that you saw this film? Was it the random kind of grab a video off the uh, off the shelf, or did you see it on Sci-Fi? I've not actually seen the Sci-Fi version, so if you have, please I write might. in and tell me what what was different about it. Um, I haven't been able to find that cut of it anyway. I'm sure they had to cut out quite a lot, so I'd like to know what was what was left after they edited this thing for tv yeah and as always if you have a review um of dog soldiers or would like to
0: talk to us directly about dog soldiers get in touch with us either social media or shoot us an email at Video Junkyard Podcast at gmail.com and we will certainly read your review on the show yeah because that'll be fun i'd like to know if anybody ever differs just yeah read. exactly i'd love to hear what other people think i mean tell us when you i yeah. think we're wrong we also have continued the trend
1: although last week was a little different but continued the trend of only reviewing films that we love so yeah um. <laughs> but seriously if, if you disagree i'd love to hear it. i mean isn't that what social media is for <laughs> getting Absolutely. into arguments of things you don't agree with so yeah <laughs> let's hear it I'd, I'd love to know or if if this is another favorite of yours did we miss anything please feel free to uh to bring it up at our attention
0: Yes, yeah, so your reviews don't have to be contrary. You can agree with us as well. I mean, that's that's, that's fine. That's so,
1: fine, yeah. We, we'll, we'll take that, we too. Have, we do have
0: excellent <laughs> taste. So.
1: <laughs> so, All right, well, until next time, this is Joe Peterson.
0: And this is Eric Branson, everybody. Have
1: a good night. Thanks for listening.
0: You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but
1: I'm having an old friend you just can't let them go go stay on the road keep clear to the moors
0: we want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the video junkyard podcast and remind you to find us on social media on facebook at facebook.com slash video junkyard podcast on twitter at video junk pod and on instagram as video junkyard podcast all one word I want to thank you again for listening and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the video junkyard.